Hello, Nicole. Hi, Bim. <laughs> I'm so happy today. So am I. Oh my gosh, I feel like we manifested today's yes. episode. Yes, we did. We we absolutely, and we have been chasing this particular manifestation for a while. Yes, for as long as we have been on the air. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, and we did it, and it is. Uh, everything we could have imagined and more. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Phenomenal goodness. That's why I'm grinning. I can't stop grinning, actually. I just have teeth. <laughs> just like coming out of my eyes, my cheeks, my nose. I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a walking tooth right now. I'm just so happy because like you said, it was everything we had wanted and maybe even a little bit more. And Nicole, do you want to explain why I am mostly made of teeth today? <laughs> because we finally got to talk to jake johnson oh, oh my, my god our oh turtle bay god. the nick miller the nick the miller <laughs> oh my god gravy mcconnell beard of the beard um you know jake from new girl of course and um, you know as the nick miller you know him as peter b parker from spider-man into the spider-verse which i yes. just saw Fantastic. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Paper Hearts, Drinking Buddies, and now yes. he's in Stumptown. And he's got a new show that's coming out on Netflix on Friday, the 21st of August. It's called Hoops. He plays a foul mouthed uh, basketball coach of a hopeless high school team. It is raucous and noisy and actually a bit of a departure from the other things that you have seen and loved him in, but it's also got its own, you know, screechy charm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I mean, and it was such a good interview. I mean, yes. he's, he's a professional. He's funny. Yes. He's sweet. Yes. yes. Um, he knows his craft. Like it was just, yes. It, yes. Was just, it was just everything you would want an interview with an actor to be. Yes. And an actor that you actually really enjoy watching. Like there was something for me of the pure pleasure of seeing someone whose face is so familiar to you in, in a very specific context and then suddenly they're in their closet uh, talking into a mic and, you know, and somehow you're kind of like, oh, my God, the magic is intact. Oh, my God. They're still such a good actor and such a good like, you know, like it, it's that wonderful kind of like perfect alchemy of the situation where it just feels like, oh, my God. Yeah, this was meant to happen. So, like you said, it did feel way like a manifestation of what has been years of wanting to interview this person. And we did it. So shout out to you, Jake, because you became flesh. <laughs> For one night only on our Zoom call. I had an internal bet about how long it would be in the interview before he mentioned he was from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably within that first minute. So yes. I loved it. <laughs> I, I was like, there it is. Honestly, I checked it off on my little bingo list. I was like, yep, Chicago. Yes, Chicago yes. people love to tell you they're from Chicago. <laughs> and we had our incredible producer share. um, you know, she was on the call as well, and Jake peeped that she was from Chicago because she was representing in her uh, Chicago Cub shirt, and he saw it, and he, you know, had a little moment with Cher. I loved yeah. it. He was just a dream, just a dream. A dream. I'm, yes, I, I have come away from that interview, yes, smiling like a loon, but also with just so much more affection for Jake Johnson. Like, it's like, you know, I like you as a performer, blah, 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 but now I'm like, I like you as a person. You seem like such a nice guy. Right, because you can, we, you can see like all the characters, the parts of himself that he's put in all his characters, but you also see the 
who he is as an individual person. Yes. Uh, it was just, oh, I love him. Yes. I just, I, I don't, I feel like all our interviews are great. Yeah. But this one really feels very special. In addition to all of our other great interviews. I won't rank them because that's like saying which of my kids is my favorite. There's no mm-hmm. such thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say that every new interview becomes my favorite interview. And I think <laughs> with this one in particular, we were on fire. There's no two. I can't even mince words. We were just great guys. I, I can't explain beyond the simple facts of the matter. Nicole and I were asking amazing questions yes. and Jake was giving us fantastic answers. Yes. And at one point I kind of was just like making a mental note, like, Oh my God, this is it. This is the dream. This is my job. And I can't <laughs> believe I get to do this. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was just so good. I can't think of anything else to say except that it was just so good. And yes, toot toot we are tooting our own horn (laughs) because we are fantastic (laughs) yes we are and on that note let's not keep you in suspense any longer um this interview is the culmination of nicole and i furiously manifesting i said manifesting thank you (laughs) and trying to get this to work and here for your pleasure jake johnson just uh Sitting in my closet doing press for three days. Excellent. Just the way nature intended it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was just what I really planned for when I moved out to L.A. and tried to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so we're just going to hop right into these questions. I love um, it. If that's all right. Yeah, let's shoot. Okay. So we obviously have had access to watch Hoops a little bit earlier than uh, the general population. Um, And Ben Hopkins is, uh, how do I say this? Um, A mess of a human being. (laughs) He's He's a piece of human garbage. I mean, he's just like flotsam and jetsam smashed together yes. and floating aimlessly in the ocean of life. Yeah, he's loud. He's uh, not smart. He's mad. He's coaching a team that he can't win. He's mad at his dad. He's mad at his team. He's mad at himself. Uh, and yeah, that's Coach Ben. <laughs> Can I can I ask what drew you specifically? You were like, oh, that's that's the character for me. What was it that made you think I can do this? Well, you know, it's different. This one this one started about seven years ago. So Ben Hoffman came to me with Chris Miller and Phil Lord. I think it was after season one of New Girl and said that there was a pilot presentation for an animated show that had this the opening you saw where he's yelling at the refs to transition into the locker room scene with the players to transition into trying to get the tall kid, a prostitute in order to play. He said, MTV was interested to give us a pilot presentation. And he said, as an idea, let's be as loud and ridiculous as we can so that they have to pass on it, but let's (laughs) not water it down. So I came from a family in Chicago with a lot of big, loud characters. And so growing up, vulgarity was just funny in my house you know as i got seasoned in this industry it was taught to me that like going blue or going vulgar is a cheap way to get a laugh but that's not how i came up i came up with if i was nine and dropping f-bombs and my uncles were laughing then i was funny so (laughs) it was fun to be in the booth and just kind of let it rip and then mtv passed which is (laughs) what i assumed they were going to do and everybody passed Comedy Central saw it, TBS saw it, nobody wanted it. And the product, the show died. And about a year ago, Netflix came around and bought it for 10. 
So all of a sudden we had 10 episodes for a concept of a show that I'm not sure would work in 2020. You know, and neither was Ben Hoffman. We were like, well, this is a really loud, ridiculous show that doesn't have a message, doesn't really have a point of view. It's just jokes and it's jokes for the sake of jokes. And we had a conversation. Do we water it down and kind of change it? And we said, no, let's just lean in on what it is. It's a loud, ridiculous show about a bad basketball coach who's unhappy and he screams for 10 episodes. And our goal was to then cast it with the funniest people we could so that nobody backs down. So everybody, if you look at the cast list on IMDb, everybody's funny. Everybody's a comedian. Everybody's a killer. So we tried to get as many people in the booth together, improvising and being funny. And, you know, that's the show. Yeah. Yeah, so Hoops takes place in Kentucky, um, and obviously there are a lot of Southern characters in there, but your character, Ben, doesn't really have that much of a Southern accent. Was that your way of just sticking to your Chicago roots and, and keeping Chicago there? Well, Nicole, that, that, that's a good question. You know, Ben's from Kentucky, so he wanted Kentucky. I don't have the range as an act. I'm not going in there being like, hey, man, I'm Coach Ben. <laughs> I'm just not doing that level of hackery. There's a, a level of hackery I'm happy to do, but I don't think I could take myself seriously talking the way I talk in that show where I'm like, listen, you motherfucker, you got to I'm like, no, I got to do it in my own accent. And then Ben was good with it. But, you know, the truth is, is Ben is people have uh, I've seen on uh, Instagram, people are making sure we're not going after Kentucky on this show. Mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, Ben's a Kentucky boy. So we're not going after the South on it. We're not trying to make fun of Kentucky. The reason I don't have an accent and Natasha does is because she could do an accent and I can't. <laughs> the reason Rob Riggle doesn't is no one wanted to hear Riggle with a Southern accent. So it really was deal- dealer's choice. 80 Miles could do one. Cleo King, who plays the principal, doesn't have one. But it's just because Cleo came on and did New Girl, and she was so funny uh-huh. that we just cast her to be her on it. Right. So some do, some don't. But you know, it was really dealer's choice. It's when people showed up, we would honestly ask, you do an accent? <laughs> well, as a Southerner, I, I appreciate that, that you recognize that that is not uh, a part of your skill set and you just let it go <laughs> because yeah. I get uh, easily offended by certain Southern accents. So thank you. For well, that. we didn't we didn't want to do just generic Southern. Mm. So if like Ben can do a Kentucky. So he's like, well, if, if I hear it, if you're doing like a Southern, like not all Southern accents are the same. Correct. And so we were, I was like, man, you're entering a conversation for hoops that I'm not getting involved in. I'm not getting paid a lot of money to do this. This is a, you know, sophomore swear word show. Like, let, let's just do what it is. I'm not learning a Kentucky accent for it. <laughs> no dialect coach. No, I'm not doing a dialect coach for hoops. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Pass, man. Pass. Well, were you able to, like, drop some Chicago Easter eggs throughout the show? Uh, that's a good question, but no. You know, I, honestly, for this one, you know, a lot of characters I try to bring a lot to myself, too, and I try to find my way into it. I really didn't with this character. This is not a character that I feel deeply connects to me or who I am or what I believe in. I came up doing 20 years of comedy before... I started working as an actor at about 18. I started hitting comedy stages. Uh, And for years, it was just comedy for the sake of comedy. 
there was I was a comedy nerd. I loved comedy. All I wanted to do was make people laugh, um, and that's kind of fading. You know, as I've gotten older, things mean different stuff now. So you take projects thinking about what's going to happen with it and what this project means, who's going to watch it. And honestly, at first that was so cool and it felt so new to be like thoughtful. But now everybody's so thoughtful <laughs> that I, I just had a feeling of like, fuck, man, I just miss doing a comedy show where it doesn't have any messages to it. There's no hidden anything. It's just trying to entertain. And what I've been saying in press, then I mean it. If somebody starts watching this show and a minute in, they don't like it. They don't like the swears. They don't think it's smart. They don't think it's funny. Then I ask that person just to change the channel because it's not going to get better. It's not going to come around and you're going to say, episode three, the show really earned my viewership. Not happening. If you like the first minute, you're probably going to like the last minute of episode 10. And if you don't, you're not. And there was something about that that felt really fun for me about this project. Well, there are tender moments, though, like when the, um, the seven foot tall kid, Maddie, gets a girlfriend. And yes. And his heart is broken and things like That's that. That's right. And yeah. the coach has to come in kind of revive his spirits a little bit yes but we um, we undercut that there are there are moments of sweetness <laughs> but everything is then cut with a dick joke yes <laughs> <laughs> you know once you're there and we're getting sweet then you'll go like shouldn't somebody do something crass and on this show we're like yes this has been like 40 seconds of niceness yeah <laughs> No sincerity allowed. I, I I like that as a mission statement. Should we should we cut this with a dick joke? Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> now I said. Now one thing I do want to make clear is I'm not. I don't mean to be talking trash on the show. I like the show. I just want people to know what they're getting into, because it is a show. Yes, there are sweet moments, and yes, these. I do believe Coach cares about these players, but whenever we leaned into that, we were very aware of this. Isn't the show? We're not going to have like sweet music playing. We need a joke and we need it fast. <laughs> <laughs> the gag rate is, uh, it, it's rapid. It's rapid. It's like before one joke lands, here's another one. 100%. Another one, that another that was one. the idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, um, what's the kid's name who always has his underwear pulled up? Um, and he, the, I like him because uh, he always like, this don't make no damn sense. Or he like, that's like his hook. Which one the is that? The blind guy with the little pig nose. Oh, uh, that, you know who that is? That uh, uh, time bomb. You know who does that voice? Is Ben Hoffman, the guy who created the show. Ah, okay. So, so that, that makes sense. Because he, like, it, it was very familiar to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where did you grow up? I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I'm like right by Kentucky. That so, is really like, funny. Yeah, time yeah, bomb so, is Ben's. That yeah. was the only voice he did. Uh, and when Ben would do Time Bomb, no one really gave him notes. He would go in the booth and just be like, hey, man, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, whoa, this little boy is disgusting. <laughs> he is quite horrible. This is a horrible little human. <laughs> I love him. Um, so do you feel like the show was cathartic then for you? You talked about like being able to just be funny for the sake of funny and not think too much. You know, I'll be honest. Um, and I don't mean just to say no to a question, but no, what I loved about this show is it wasn't cathartic. I didn't learn anything. I didn't have like big epiphanies. I didn't grow. Uh, <laughs> I would go to a record like, you know, like I, when I did Spider-Verse, there were times I was doing that, that the material would be so strong that I would feel emotional. I'd be like, wow, like this is cool. There were moments of new girl when we'd be doing a scene and I'd feel like, 
man, there's a real energy in this area. These characters are becoming real. This is something. What I liked about Hoops is I never felt anything. It was like you would go to work and there was a microphone and an actor would pop in and we would do some jokes. We would record, record some jokes. Hopefully we would laugh a lot. And then we would leave. And I'm like, man, that was really, it's cathartic. And looking back, the fact that it was so light. And when I say that it's light, even though it's a disgusting show. But I like doing something where I'm like, yeah, this was, this is just what it was. It was just hoops. And if people like it, I would love to make more. It's fun. And in terms of like when we were in the writer's room and we were breaking stories, most writer's rooms are so intense and you're like talking about characters' arcs and if somebody does something, you're like, well, how do we make that make sense? If somebody had a funny joke for a character, it was going in. If it changes the character a little bit, that'll be fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be just fine. Like, so wait, we're saying coach does that? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So now he just does that. And it's just fine. So I liked that aspect of it. I can tell. <laughs> You're being very emphatic. It was fun. Guys, it was fun. Well, I've honestly, um, I've done so much development in the last few years. I've written in, you know, 20 projects that studios or networks have canceled the last minute. I've shot pilots. I've had dream projects that meant a lot, had a message. They didn't let me make it. And I've had these conversations over and over about each character's arc and what it means and blah, blah, blah. We didn't do any of that. <laughs> and it got on TV. So I'm like, I'm at a loss. <laughs> the world doesn't make any sense. I'm in my closet talking to you guys. That's and I see so few people that you guys feel like my friends. <laughs> we are your friends. Great. <laughs> what do you guys want to do with it? I'm so bored. Let's go get some pizza. Good. Go. I want pizza. <laughs> The worst part is I can't even eat cheese anymore. Oh, so I gotta no. get a vegan pizza. Yeah. I probably Tonight. should not be eating cheese, but fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Listen, we're all gonna die of something. What's I the know. intolerance? Well, I'd rather not die with a terrible stomachache. I mean, it'd be it'd be a way to go, not the best way though. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask because you've already kind of mentioned uh, Peter B. Parker of uh, Into the Spider Verse, so. For me, and for many people who watched it, he was very much our relatable uh, crying-in-the-shower icon for a whole generation. Um, how how does that still kind of... How do you feel about that all this time later? Because it was one of those movies where I think everyone watched it and said, wait, it's a masterpiece. Like, it is a masterpiece. Um, and, you know, I, I watched interviews where you would talk about the making of it and how it was such a long process. Um, what was... What has the legacy of that character been for you personally? A lot. Uh, I really loved that. And I think that was a masterpiece, too. And I say that, you know, I saw the creatives working on that. The, the scripts I got, Phil Lord would, like, send me, you know, early material on it. And that was one of the first... I'm not... First of all, I'm not a big comic book guy. Right. So I didn't... I don't... I've probably seen two Marvel movies in its entirety. I haven't seen all the Star Wars. I don't care about it. So when Peter Parker first came my way... Through Phil, I thought like, man, I'm not sure I'm the guy because there are people who love this so much. But then when I started hearing the version of Peter Parker, where he was Peter Parker who got tired of being Spider-Man and was a very human version of it, it felt like, man, this is like an indie movie version of Peter Parker. <laughs> and I got really interested in that. And then when I would see the scripts they were writing and the scenes we had, and for me, also working with Shamik. 
Shamiku Plays Miles did such an awesome job in it. And we got to record together a lot. And I don't think he actually got the credit he deserves for that character. Because that's not his voice. Right. Like, Miles is a youthful kid. Shamik is a 25-year-old man. <laughs> and we would be talking as Shamik and Jake and be buddies. And then we would face the mics and he would turn into Miles. And instantly I knew who Peter was. Right. And I knew who Peter was opposite Miles. If you don't have him playing Miles, I don't quite know who Peter is right away. But as soon as he's coming out going like, Peter, I got to go do this. Well, instantly, I'm not playing Peter being mean to that voice. So it was just it was just a really, honestly, great experience. And then when I saw the movie, I knew it was special. And then when we started doing press, hearing what people were saying, hearing people saying that for their kids, it was the first time their son or daughter saw a character, a superhero, a spider person who looked like them. Mm. And it kind of blew me away that I was, you know, part of it. And I felt really lucky. Yeah. Um, you, um, at the beginning of the pandemic and all the stuff that's been happening, you were um, kind enough and generous enough to send some some kids some voicemails as yeah. Peter B. Parker. Um, do you think you're going to do that as uh, Coach Ben? <laughs> calling people. It's like, hey, I need you to cuss out my ex-wife. You son of a fucking bitch! <laughs> This pandemic's never gonna fucking end. Uh, no, I'm not doing it as coach. Oh, that's a shame. If you don't get the fucking vaccine, I'll rip your head off. <laughs> it's funny, that Peter Parker thing happened, and it was, you know, at times I forget about the reach of the world these days, especially in this pandemic because we're so isolated and alienated, and social media doesn't mean very much to me. You know, I, I don't have Twitter. I don't check very often. I don't care about it. I don't view it as, as as real as a lot of people view it as real. But I was laying in bed and I was explaining to my daughter what the pandemic was. And it was almost like a dummy's guide of explaining a pandemic. Because it's hard to explain to a kid when you don't know. And then I started thinking about, man, there must be like so many kids who are freaked out. And in terms of being naive... I thought the world was going to be back to normal by like May 1st at the latest, <laughs> at the latest. I thought this would be two weeks of lockdown and then let's go. So I thought like, well, I could probably make a few of these tonight. And so I posted it and got a couple emails. So at like midnight, I was in my bathroom doing them. And then the because of social media and the reach, news circuits picked it up. So all of a sudden there was like 40,000 emails. And I was like, oh, shit. And each email was like sadder than the next. Oh, no. so I was like, you know, I'm like, hey, this is Peter B. Parker. And then I'm like, 39,000 more. <laughs> so it was one of those things where old JGJ bit off a little bit more than he could chew. But, uh, you know, my agency, this guy named Eugene Lee at UT, uh, UTA, he's an IT guy. They helped. I made a bunch of voices. I did, I made like 400 or 500 voice notes and then we just, they found an algorithm. We could just start sending them out. So we sent out like almost 40,000 emails, but oh my God. it got crazy. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, it got crazy. No yeah, it got wild. How many hours was that? A lot. Uh, but <laughs> it was. It's a technical term. So, but the, the funny part of it was, because I was doing them a lot and I'm stuck inside, that my kids were around and 
at first they thought it was work and very soon they were like, this is, what are you doing? So I would let them join. So some little kids would hear like, Hey, you know, Steve, this is Peter B. Parker. I'm here with my friend and my daughters wanted to be spider characters, but they don't really like the movie that much. So (laughs) they've never watched it. So they don't know spider Gwen. So they'd be like, spider rose and i'm like okay <laughs> so some little kids believe there's like spider rose or whatever my kid named and so i was a little bit like this is probably irresponsible to the world of like marvel but you know we're taking a chance here let's move on it's, just, it's a good it's a good thing yeah. it's fine Sp- spider rose it's the way of speaking spider rose into existence now we're talking so spider rose is like a six-year-old kid somewhere I love that so much Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Stumptown, Please. which is uh, another adaptation of uh, a comic book character. Um, you play Gray McConnell. I feel like he, every time I look at him, I feel tired for him. Like he's been through so much, like every bad thing has happened to him. Yeah. And he somehow retains like a core of goodness. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I, yeah. Are you excited for season two? Because they renewed you, right? Yeah, they did. You know, I really like the show and I really love working with the cast over there. Uh, we just got a new showrunner, a woman named Monica, who I'm really excited. She just pitched what she wants to do season two, and I'm pretty excited about it. But it's a I like your take on Gray, and that's what I like about him. When I came on board, uh, I was having a lot of conversations. And the thing I was always asking for Gray, because if you actually break down characters and shows, a lot of times if you look at them as real people, their pasts are unthinkable. You know, Gray, if he's a real person, Gray was in jail. He made a deal with the scariest guy in jail, right? Kane. So imagine that's real life. You're in jail. The scariest person in jail, you borrow $500,000 from, open up a bar, and piss it away. So I said, (laughs) if this is a real character, this is a human being who's looking to get beaten to death. He is a guy who deep down... And it's what you said is so tired that he's looking for somebody to finally unplug him because all his actions are beyond self-destructive. And so I thought I really like that start and anywhere you go with him, keep in mind what you built for him. He's an, he's done really self-destructive stuff. So I like that what I've heard there, they're going to keep that theme that underneath, but he is a character who's trying to do good. He's trying to think ahead, but I think Doom is coming for that guy, and I'm excited to do it and play with it, especially on network TV. Right, right, right. That's the that's the, that's the most enthralling thing is that this is all on like ABC. I'm like, oh, this is like 10 p.m. Uh, on, on my regular TV. You know, honest to God, <laughs> when uh, when New Girl ended, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and you know, a lot of shows are like Hulu or you know the streaming sites. They all have a certain shared edgy quality. But there, it's a shared edgy quality. So I'm like, well, if it's all the same level of edgy, then it's right. not edgy. It's just <laughs> streaming. And then I was thinking, like, growing up, I remember shows like NYPD Blue and things like that. And we never had cable growing up. And we had one TV. So there was whatever show was on, my mom and my siblings and I, that's what we watched. And I thought, like, I kind of want to do that as opposed to, you know, Blank Plus or... Right. whatever it is 
And so the ABC of it was a really big selling point. I was like, I want to be on network TV before this thing goes away and all network TV is like celebrities dancing or celebrities trapped in cages or some game show. I was like, I think we got a couple more years before this is dead. So let's do that. Lean into it. Yeah. Come on. Let's get uh, it. Well, when uh, Stumptown first came out, um, one of the things and in order to you know keep with the theme of our show, our podcast here, um, I just kept seeing women on my timeline say, oh, you have got to watch this Jake Johnson. You have got to watch Jake as Gray in this show. Oh, He's really? So hot. Okay. He's yeah. so hot. Oh, He's yeah. so hot. Really? From Stumptown? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. People love a sad, broken guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if he has a beard. Okay. <laughs> And I'm wondering, how does that make you feel that you are a sex symbol? You are what we like to call a thirst object. People are thirsting after you. <laughs> yeah. eyebrows. I know, like an eyebrow wag. Well, you know, here's what I have to say. In this era of the pandemic, I think we could all, I mean, we could all say our world is upside down. <laughs> In an upside down world, a guy like me becomes a sex object. And guess what? Let's no. keep it upside down, ladies. No. <laughs> no. Let's get ladies. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I say it's upside down. I'm not doing this to be a fake humble actor. Okay. Like, oh, I'm so humble. This is just the truth. I was a single guy for a lot of years before I was on TV. <laughs> so was Brad Pitt. Before Thelma and Louise, Brad Pitt was single. I can guarantee he and I had a very different journey. <laughs> When Brad Pitt, as a young man, walked into a bar, and old Jakey J walked into a bar, we had different experiences. So, as of recently, you know, you guys, which I appreciate, and social media wants to say, you know, I'm a sex symbol. Well, great. Eventually, the world's going to be right side up again, and they'll be the hunks and the character actors, and I'll be hopefully working again. No, this was the case when we were watching New Girl, right? right. It was like the first much, time around. Yes, right, yes. Right. It was very much... Oh, you guys were originals. We, yes. OG stands. We've Good, because now there's a, there's a whole new group of fans. And I'm deciding that I believe there's two schools, the originals and the new school, because it's a different type of fan. So you guys were the originals. We were. I, I was yeah. watching it. This is. I was still living in the UK at the time. Amazing. And it was. It would come on on Channel Four, and I was like, <laughs> okay, let me. It was. I think it was Friday night at like nine thirty, and I was like, this is peak Friday night. <laughs> and I, like, I began watching it, and I was like, oh, I love this show. And then now that you know, especially with pandemic and people watching and rewatching. And every so often, someone's like, why didn't anyone tell me about this show? And I get really yelly. And I'm like, I've been yeah. yelling about this show for 500 <laughs> years. How dare you? Yeah, I got to tell you, here. I feel I'm with you on that. Because, um, you know, being on a television show as an actor, you never know when another job is coming. And I've grinded in my life. I, I, so I do know what it's like not to have a television job. So having that level of work, having an income... There was a lot that I really loved. Work, liking my co-stars, having a work situation where I know what the thing is. When we were going away, I, the Fox was being pretty cool and saying, like, we don't want to cancel you, but nobody's watching. So when we did our final season, we got eight in episode uh, season seven. Well, Zoe Dash and I and I literally wrote a letter, an email to the heads, uh, to Dana Walden and Gary Newman the heads of Fox and 20th asking for more for like the few OG fans 
who stayed with us. Because we're like, you can't end the way season six ended, where it was rushed. It, fin- it went too far. I was like, give Liz Merriweather the time to finish this right. But when we finished that show, a lot of shows, when they're like the final episode, they all go like on Conan together. You know, yeah. and they're like, you knew him as whatever. And the guy's like, oh, I'm like, not that guy at all. And everybody like cheers and goes nuts. Nobody asked us to be on any show. <laughs> so now that there's like people are like falling. I'm like, I hear you guys. It's not like you're 10 years too late. You're 18 months. <laughs> so it's a little bittersweet. I'm like, fuck, man, we were yeah. just working. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get that. I think yeah. so. I do think with this resurgence, there'll be, you know, honestly, everybody in that cast, uh, Hannah, Simone, and I were texting two nights ago. Uh, she wanted me to watch some documentary on Hulu. I think it was called like Spaceship Earth or something. It's a, like a crazy show about everybody living in a pod. Zoe and I still text. All the guys and I are on a text chain. Everybody's still linked up. Um, so I would be surprised if there's not some sort of a thing at some point where everybody comes back. Uh, the catch with that show is everybody's smart and everybody has opinions. So it's not a show where uh, the group would all be like, you know, Lamorne is now running his own show. He's becoming like a mogul. So Lamorne's not coming back to like, be like, I guess Winston doesn't have a great story. He's coming back with an arc. <laughs> so it would, Liz Merriweather would have to crack a great uh, story. And if she does that, it would be really fun to get everybody back. Um, when New Girl first started, there were a lot of jokes that Nick Miller was fat or had his cookie jar belly and things like that, which was really not the case. I mean, you were just uh, a regular Joe. And I wonder, did you feel, uh, can you talk about sure. the pressure of like even regular Joes having to be cut for, well, for a Hollywood? I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. This is a true story. So I booked the job. I was so psyched. Uh, I'd never booked a TV pilot. I'd never even come close. Uh, a lot of actors, you know, Max Greenfield, who did Schmidt, tested for 17 different shows. Testing means they draw up a contract and it's between you and another person. In order to test, you got to be pretty damn good and pretty close. I had never tested for a show, meaning I'd never been close. That's not saying I didn't audition for a lot of shows because I auditioned for plenty. But New Girl was the first one where I tested, then I got it. I couldn't believe it. It was I, I got my rate for the pilot that I knew I was going to make. I was very fired up. There was a day, and I was, the first thing whenever I started making money, and this is just the inner fat boy, the first thing I thought about is what I was going to order at a restaurant in terms of appetizers. Because nice. <laughs> I'm like, I can get my meal. But I got some television money coming. I'm getting sides. I'm getting extra guacamole. And my wife and I were driving to this Mexican restaurant I like. And all I was thinking about, I don't think I said one word to her because I'm like, all right, two sides, extra guacamole. Fuck it. I'm getting the weird thing of margaritas, the whole thing. I'm not getting one. I'm telling the waiter, do the whole thing. Give me the pitcher and I'll pour my own. Let's go. Let's go. And my manager calls. And I thought he was just going to say, like, congrats, buddy. So I'm like, hello. He's like, what you up to? I'm like, driving to a Mexican restaurant. And he's like, great, about that. Um, Fox called. Everybody's excited about you playing Nick Miller. I was like, great. 
and they said, we're, they're looking to shoot in like six weeks. And I was like, great. And Fox would like you to lose 10 to 15 pounds. No. No part of me was offended the way some one might be offended by that. I have a really thick skin. It takes a lot to offend me. I almost started crying because I wasn't going to be able to eat the meal. I was so excited for it. <laughs> My wife and I went out to eat because she's like, let's just finish the meal. I got like a green salad with chicken with no dressing. And I just thought like, in this business, when they give you something, they got to take something back. <laughs> uh, no guacamole for you. <laughs> no, no. But I, So there was a lot of that early on. I tried to figure out diet. I remember Zoe because I didn't know what to eat then. So I became really actory and I just wouldn't eat. And then I remember season one, Zoe like made me a plate of food once where she's like, you've got to eat. That's, and I was like, I was eating power bars all the time. And then I just had a moment where I just said, fuck it. Like I'm done. I don't care that much. You know, you start getting into the vanity game and then you, you know, you start thinking maybe I should do this, that, and the other, but you know, a body's a body. Give me a break. I don't need to take my shirt off for a photo shoot. So life goes on. So once I was in the show and it got established, they can't fire me for being chubby. <laughs> <laughs> Just write so it in. Then write it in. They made a bunch of jokes. Once Liz made a joke about it and Max Greenfield hit the joke and everybody laughed. I think everybody at the network could exhale and say like, great, Nick Miller's. He can be the uh, chubby guy. God bless. I get, and then what I did, as soon as that joke happened, I got my two sides. I got my margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I was back to eating the way I should eat. There I'm you go. Let's go. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, what would, uh, we have to wrap up, but I wonder what would 13-year-old Jake say if he saw that, you know, women were like thirsting over you and passing around this uh these memes that that you're now like daddy yeah you know, like how <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people that want to go to a farmer's market with you that i'm just yeah. i'm just gonna put that on the, i'm telling you people want to buy like fresh citrus they, they they're really into that you, i gotta tell you there is a level of the internet that damon waynes jr and i always send each other we stop making jokes together and we just send each other funny thing we find on a line some people on the internet are so hard funny the fact that the fantasy has turned into, I want to go to a farmer's market and get citrus with him, is a great joke. <laughs> like, what do you want to do with him? Like, man, like that girl's so hot. Yeah, what do you want to do? I want to go to a farmer's market in a mid-range city. I'm talking like a phoenix. Not the best farmer's market. And I want it to be phoenix hot. Desert hot. Then I want to get some grapefruit with that woman. Come on! <laughs> Um, you know, 13 year old Jake, um, actually 12 to 13 year old Jake is probably when I peaked at my level of coolness. Um, I was still at that point, puberty hadn't taken me apart from the other guys so I could still play sports. Uh, so I would probably at 12 be like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> what else are the ladies going to want? You got everything you want here in my five foot 10 frame body. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's perfect oh my god that's great oh uh, okay so w can you tell us when hoops will be out and all the good juicy details yes hoops comes out this friday i believe all 10 are dropping at once um and i hope people check it out and uh what i will say 
is if you don't like the first minute, walk away. And if you do, lean back because I think you're going to like all time. There it is. <laughs> Succinct. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jake. We have had a lovely time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was really fun hanging out with you guys. Oh, great. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Bim, I cannot believe we did this. Uh. <laughs> you sound like we just came back from a bank robbery and the money is between us on the table. I was like, I can't believe we got away with all that cash. That's how I feel. I feel <laughs> rich in my spirit. Oh my God. Come on, church. Yes. <laughs> rich in my spirit. I am, en- I am enriched in the spirit. Yes, I, I feel that feel. Yes, he was just so, um, I don't know, vivacious. I, you know, like, yes, bitch. Come on, vocabulary <laughs> words. He was vivacious. Yes, he was. You know, especially considering that, you know, he's doing all this press in a weird situation, right? Yes. Like, you know, we're doing all this stuff remotely and, yeah. you know, he's tucked in his closet in order to right. make sure the sound is good. But he was just really present and yes. just awake and he gave us such good energy. And I am still, yes. I am still just like so amazed by it. I'm just like fully, I just want him to be my friend. I, I want us to go and get pizza as as we suggested in, in the interview. I feel like he's the kind of person that you have excellent chats with, but also laugh really hard. You know, the type where you kind of snort a little bit. Yes. <laughs> he seems like a good laugh. And I am so glad we got the chance to pretend to be his friend for a little <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> Nicole, I'm not going to come down from this high anytime soon. No, neither am I. It's going to be um, something I think about for a very long time. <laughs> there you go. Just reserve some room for me. I'm on my way up. <laughs> Thursday Kit is a Slate production produced by Cher Vincent and us, Nicole Perkins and Dim Adewunmi. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at First Aid Kit, and we are on Tumblr at firstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. If you like to listen and live tweet, there is a hashtag. It is TACPOD, that is T-A-K-P-O-D, and you can join other Thirst Buckets every Thursday or any other time. If you prefer, you can write us an email and send it to thirstaykit at slate.com. If you want to use our Thirst Sommelier service, just send us a short and boy do we mean short, no longer than a minute, voice note via email at thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcasts. If you find yourself wishing you could get even more Thursday Kit content every week, well, now you can. All you have to do is become a Slate Plus member. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program. For just $35 for the first year, you can get a little extra from this show and all other Slate shows, plus absolutely no ads. Visit slate.com slash plus to sign up. Stay thirsty and keep your hands clean. It's what Nick Miller would want. Oh, actually, maybe not. Anyway, we'll be back to thirst some more next week. Bye. Bye.